Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Tuesday, April 20th. Happy Travel Tuesday, folks, and, and happy Earth Week. We've got Earth Day coming up on April 22nd. Uh, that's Thursday of this week, so we're talking green tourism, eco-friendly travel coming up on the show today. But So a shout-out to one of my favorite places on Earth, the Caribbean. If you love the Caribbean too or want to learn more about it, check out our new podcast, Complete Caribbean, with Brian Major and Jet Set Sarah. Episode 2 just dropped this week. It'll be a bi-monthly show, so episode 3 is coming out the first week of May. But definitely check that out if you're a fan of the Caribbean. What's your favorite place on Earth? I'd love to know it. Podcast at TravelPulse.com is the email to reach out. Uh, thank you all, people who reach out every week. I'm very thankful for the feedback and the commentary. And if you're enjoying this podcast, I would love for you to leave a review wherever you listen uh, to your podcast, Apple, Spot, uh, Spotify, Google, all that good stuff. So coming up on the show today, as we always do, we'll talk what's trending in the travel industry, including some good news and bad news in the industry and updates on new reopenings plus more. And joining me on the show today is Court Whalen. Director of Sustainability and Conservation Travel Programs and Expedition Leader at Natural Habitat Adventures, a National Geographic Traveler Top 10 Travel Company, and a Virtuoso Sustainable Tourism Leadership winner. Welcome to the podcast, Court. So glad you're here. Eric, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. So Court and I are going to talk a little further about the importance of green tourism, ecotourism, some eco-friendly destinations you can uh, set aside for future trips uh, coming up later on in the show. But first, as we always do, we're going to dive into what is trending in the world of travel. We begin with some good news and some bad news. First, I'll kick it off with the bad news. U.S. State Department just this morning expanded its do not travel list to 80% of the countries around the world. Uh, it's kind of getting flashbacks to uh, springtime of 2020 here. Um, they said that the changes reflect an adjustment of the agency's travel advisory system to rely more on the CDC's existing epidemiological assessments and other bad news, we had the World Travel and Tourism Council released new data that showed new research. It showed U.S. tourism lost $766 billion in 2020. Uh, that is a staggering amount of money, right, Court? That's mind-boggling. It certainly is, Eric. I mean, all these things are, are a little bit worrisome. Well, increasingly worrisome. We've had a lot on our hands. Yeah, that first one, you know, it's a big head scratcher with what the CDC plans to announce. And I've been scouring the news and, you know, I, I haven't seen the announcement yet, but I'm wondering if it's somehow going to take into account whether you're vaccinated or not. Um, I can't help but think that maybe when they do the announcement, they're going to have these high level travel advisories, but then have some sort of stipulation or clause that if you have received the vaccine, it's a slightly different level of warning. This is not factual. I'm not basing on anything that I know. However, it's a hunch because it all seems mistimed, right? Just as the CDC opened some stuff, it's now reporting the biggest rollout of closures at the time that we all feel a bit safer. Right, yeah. The vaccines are available to all adults now. If you want it, you can get it. Many people have already taken it. We've already seen that vaccines are leading to an increase in bookings. And that, that kind of leads into some some of the good news we have coming up. But yeah, it does. The timing does seem really odd here. And I it, it was a couple of weeks ago. They, they announced that if you're vaccinated, you can travel freely within the U.S. Just make sure you wear a mask and, you know, stick to the testing guidelines uh, if you're going to travel internationally. And and now it's like now just a complete reverse of that almost because now they're saying don't travel to other places. So it, the timing does seem really odd. I'm, I'm intrigued to see if they do come out with some sort of stipulation, like you said, for for vaccinated travelers and 
how it impacts them. But uh, overall, I, I don't I don't know that they will. I think they'll just stick with what they're doing, and um, maybe they'll put a focus on putting out some do not travels for U.S. destinations because I'm sure some of some of the places in our country are not you know up to par with how other countries around the world are handling. Uh, the pandemic here and yet we're issuing do not travel got uh, recommendations to these places. So really intriguing. Exactly. I, think, I think there's more to the story. I think there's more to the story. We'll see. Indeed. So yes, again, it is only April 20th. We are recording this in the afternoon here. So if you're listening to this later in the week, news may have come out by then, but uh, make sure you subscribe and you can listen to it at when we drop the episodes every Tuesday. So the good news in travel though, air travel is on the rise. So March, 2021 numbers were finalized and the airlines reporting corp announced accredited travel agencies total $2.8 billion in net sales from March, 2021, which is an 82% month over month increase compared to February. It's great news there. Sales are coming up. And I think that ties into kind of people getting vaccinated. So new research also shows that planned domestic capacity this May sits at 76% of what it was in May 2019, making the country one of the top performers in the world. So that's really good. Airlines are showing confidence and optimism for the future and setting up new destinations. Uh, United just announced recently they're going to go to Iceland because, you know, vaccinated travelers can go there without being quarantined so that airlines are pumping out new destinations here. Uh, Bookings are looking better and better each month now. So uh, it reminds me of a meme I saw over the weekend. It says, buy air tickets like you bought toilet paper. So this is all good news for the industry, right? Corp. I love that. That's great. I'm going to have to look that one up. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of encouraging things to come, certainly. Uh, it just goes to really show you how sacred travel is for all of us. I mean, it is, it is what we do. It's why we do it, not just as travel professionals, but as, gosh, as citizens of the planet, really. So, yeah, we're also starting to see that pent-up demand coming back. And I think people, um, as they thought more into the future than ever before with the pandemic, they're also beginning to do so with travel in general. And we're taking bookings for you know, Q3, Q4, 2022, 2023, we're thinking about 2024 already. So, you know, there's a lot of that coming down the pipeline. Um, so yeah, good, good things to come, certainly. Indeed. Yeah, that's exciting for 23 and 24 already looking ahead to the future. Love to see that. I think that uh, it's going to be a huge travel boom in, in 2022 and, and onward too, as people just have been stuck at home for so long, as, as we've been saying. So a lot of these air travel bookings are uh, for some top uh, 2021 summer travel destinations that Allianz looked at their data and determined the most popular d- domestic and international destinations for for uh, this summer. And internationally, Mexico takes the top spot. No surprise there. Uh, number one with Cancun and number two with Cabo. And then it kind of peppered around other destinations, Aruba and Puerto Rico and stuff. So internationally there, it's kind of limited to where you can go. So it's not a surprise that Mexico is kind of taking the top spots in there. And in the U.S., Hawaii leads the way with uh, four destinations in the top 10. Florida is next with two in the top 10, but Florida does hold the number one spot with Orlando. I think that's like the third year in a row now. Orlando has come up at the top of Allianz uh, data there for top summer destinations. Disney World, theme park capital of the world as well. So a lot of stuff to do there. But uh, speaking of Hawaii, the news around them, uh, vaccine passports for travel has been postponed to mid-May. Now for inter-island travel and mainlanders program is likely to begin in June. So stay tuned uh, for more updates on that. They're supposed to announce some sort of a official stuff later this week, but Hawaii has definitely been a uh, top spot for American travelers this year. So Court, your thoughts on trending summer 2021 travel destinations? Any yeah, certainly. I mean, the U.S. is going to be extremely popular as it, as it was last year during that sort of break from COVID and whatnot. Um, you know, I think U.S. national parks, huge, huge potential. Um, obviously, we're in kind of winter, springtime right now. I, I say winter because here in Colorado, we just got about eight inches of snow overnight. 
But uh, people are thinking warm and tropical. They're thinking Hawaii. They're thinking uh, Florida. They're thinking Mexico, Costa Rica. I just got back from Costa Rica not too long ago and was wildly inspired by what travel is like in the COVID era. It gave me so much confidence in what this is going to look like. No matter what happens with the, uh, you know, the eventuality of things, I, it, there's, there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it right. There's a way to do it safe. And I see a lot of positive stuff coming up here really right away. Awesome. I'm glad you had a good time in Costa Rica. We had a, a travel advisor on a few episodes ago talking about her experience. And that's one place on my bucket list that I've got to get out to. Yeah, it's one of my favorite countries in the world, certainly. So obviously there were no European destinations due to border restrictions on Allianz's list, but uh, we do have some good reopening news for part of Europe, at least. Uh, France is finalizing plans to start lifting restrictions on non-EU travelers, including those from the U.S., uh, within the next few weeks. And Greece has lifted quarantine for vaccinated or COVID-negative tourists uh, from 32 different nations. Greece opens up for tourists on May 14th. So closer and closer to all of uh, Europe reopening court, and I am very excited for it. Are you? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's been long enough. And, you know, again, as a as a sort of natural born traveler, I can't wait to get out there. I mean, I'm used to guiding eight to 10 expeditions around the world a year. And ooh, has life been different without that? So it can't come soon enough. Yeah, that is that's crazy. It's just been stuck at home. Have you how much virtual travel have you taken part in the last this past year, do you think? Oh, quite a bit. I lead a lot of virtual travel as well. Every week I do a webinar on some far-flung, beautiful place of our world, uh, oftentimes mixed with photography tips. I'm a photographer as well, conservation tips, sustainable travel tips. So yeah, I've, I've still been traveling just uh, just on the old laptop, but um, it's still, it's so fun to look back on old photos uh, and think, you know, what, it, you know, you can't take for granted what we have in the moment. Um, you know, for all those times that people have said, well, I'll do the trip next year. Um, I don't think people are going to think like that much more going forward. They're going to say, you know, the, the opportunity is now because you never know what's around the corner. So it is a little bit of an impetus for urgency. And I think that's something in the travel industry we're, we're going to see a lot more of. Definitely. And one area we see a lot of urgency and, and the desire to get back out there is cruising. And in cruise news this week, um, this past week, the battle to resume cruising in the U.S. has heated up. Uh, some politicians are putting forth effort and measures to get cruising resuming. Uh, Florida is suing the CDC. Members of the House just introduced a bill to revoke the CDC's no-sale order. But then there are those who don't want that. Uh, two senators wrote this past uh, Monday, uh, uh, this past week, um, that's the CDC um, wrote to the CDC, excuse me, um, urging that the CDC hold steady and keep cruises halted right now. Uh, so cruise lines really want to get back out there. On Monday, Royal Caribbean CEO said he felt confident that cruising would resume um, in U.S. ports this summer. So a lot of back and forth going on inside the cruise industry quarter. Are you into cruising at all? Uh, you know, I, so I do a lot on some of the small boats out there, so, uh, you know, quite a bit smaller than the ones we're talking about here. But yeah, I definitely do have a bit of presence on there as a guide, as a leader, as a coordinator. And yeah, I hope it returns uh, as quickly as possible. Yeah, I've been asking everyone this question. When do you think cruising might resume in the U.S. ports? Because we've got you know, some cruises to look forward to out in the Caribbean, different ports in the Bahamas and uh, St. Martin and everything um, for different cruise lines uh, coming up in June and July and everything. But U.S. cruising, they're hoping to get it out in July, but it kind of remains a mystery at this point. But I, I'm, I'm loving, I'm asking everyone their their opinion and their guesses uh, because it seems to be kind of the, the polarizing issue here for cruising. Your timeline seems reasonable because I think that there's a lot of regulation you can, you can enact with people that... Um, uh, 
you know, have had vaccines um, or have some sort of, you know, proof on them of antibodies, et cetera, et cetera. So being able to have that in a very controlled, closed loop system, that is the cruising industry. I think there's a way you can do it very uh, safely, very reasonably in the short term future, because, you know, we're, I would think that most of the U.S. is going to be vaccinated by that time, um, you know, well, well before that time to allow the um, actions to take place to, to have the proper um, protection. So, yeah, I think I think certainly sooner than later, I think like anything, you know, we're all hoping um, just as quickly as the lights were turned off when COVID hit, we're hoping for them to be turned on. Um, I don't think we're going to get the green light in all places equally at the same time, the same level, the same regard, the same confidence, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be a rollout. Um, in some places will open sooner and some later, but I do, I'm confident in, well, hopeful, but rather confident that things will be open in some way by that time, June, July, just, you know, the whole lights turning right back on at one moment is probably unlikely, but um, in a rollout fashion, and this is, I'm not just talking about for us, I'm talking about just a global, yeah, the, the global cru- cruising as well. Yeah, we've already had some cruising happening um, around the world, Europe and Asia. With, I think uh, Royal Caribbean CEO said it was like 400,000 uh, have been out there sailing around the world so far in the past year. And uh, they've had very limited COVID exposure and breakouts or anything like that. So that that is a good sign. And it's, you know, I think it's time that we give the U.S. Uh, ports a chance to get back to work and and show that they can also safely operate, you know, in a limited capacity because it's not going to be full 100% go right when we get in there. As you've said, it's a rollout for for countries and for businesses and and the cruising aspect of that is is going to be slow but surely, you know, get back to the top um, 100% capacity. But when they initially launch it, it'll be lower capacity, and I think they deserve a chance to to get back out there. So that uh, that wraps up what has been trending in travel this past week. Any additional thoughts, drop me an email over at podcast at travelpulse.com. Love to get your thoughts. Uh, now, Court and I are going to dive kind of into the theme of this week's show on green tourism, ecotourism, and Court. You know, I, I think travelers out there operate under the uh, just don't care method, the something is better than nothing mentality, or the heavy into ecotourism. So is that accurate, fair to say? Did I miss any um, stereotypes, if you will, there? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it. You hit it perfectly. It's it's a spectrum of people that it's just not their concern. People that it is the reason we do travel. Um, and I think that you know anything is better than nothing, right? So the point is, is I think that you know being sustainably minded in travel can be a big mountain to climb. It can be perceived as a big mountain to climb. It's actually not that big, but nevertheless, uh, you know what? What's the quote? You know, uh, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a, think, a single step. You know, so I think that that pathway, even if it's just mildly on your mind, is a great step forward. Definitely. So we've got ecotourism, green tourism, sustainable travel, conservation. And there's, there's a lot of names to describe this eco-friendly travel movement. So are there any major differences between these names that people should know? Short answer, no. Um, you can look in the literature. You can talk to professors. You can go on websites and see glossaries of different terms. And yeah, they'll they'll change the order of importance or the the you know uh, local community versus a local city versus you know. But no, it's basically all the same. You know, it's responsible travel to natural areas that conserves the environment and promotes the welfare of local people. It's that last part that I think is usually not often immediately coming to mind as people think about nature travel, eco travel, conservation travel. But it really is a huge part of it, uh, you know, supporting the local people that are the proprietors, that are the stakeholders for protecting areas is actually sort of the, the, the very basis of how the whole thing works. Yes, we want to save natural areas. We want to save wildlife. We want to save pristine beauty. But without empowering local people, it's really uh, difficult, if not impossible or impractical to do. I love that. Yeah, I think that is super important and a, lo- a lost sight of uh, some people in eco 
travel, you know, they want to recycle and they want to go to a, a resort that, you know, mentions that they are, are green and, and everything. But I think, yeah, with impacting the people there is, is very, very huge um, in, the, in this movement. So a, a new uh, virtuoso study um, highlighted that the pandemic is prompting people to travel more responsibly. And as we, you know, just mentioned, that kind of is a wide range there for a lot of different people and how they perceive things. But how do you think the pandemic has impacted the way people uh, think about travel and just being responsible in general? And, and what do you hope to see in the future? Yeah, I, I mean, I love that this is a question that's coming across my desk more and more, where it's a thought that people are wanting to be more sustainable, wanting to be more responsible. You can call it whatever you want, but just do it right. And you're doing it great. Um, so I think there's a few reasons. One, I think people, like I mentioned earlier, they're, they're reminded or um, rejuvenated by, you know, how sacred travel really is. I mean, it is a real purpose for a lot of people on earth. It is the greatest sense of pleasure and discovery. Um, so I think people are realizing that when it's taken away, gosh, when we do get it back, we've got to do it really well. And there's a bit of a parallel to just general conservation because what we're trying to do is protect these places. You know, we, we want to be going to these beautiful beaches and jungles and uh, quaint villages and cities for a long time. The best way to do so is by doing it responsibly, doing it sustainably. Um, so and then the other things I think we're, we're sort of learning about both the challenges and opportunities with sustainability and conservation in general. Uh, we're learning a bit about how bad things have gotten over the last, well, you know, millennia, centuries, decades, whatever scale you want to look at. We're learning about, you know, how how unsustainable things have gotten. But at the same time, so there's a, a greater urgency. There's a great like, oh, my gosh, it, you know, it, it did get kind of bad. But then we're also developing new tools, more awareness, better strategies for how to mitigate that. So we're realizing, OK, we got to do something now. And we're faced with this uh, amazing quiver of arrows before us of how we can solve these problems and I think that's enlivening people. It's invigorating them. Mix that with the idea that they view travel as one of the greatest pleasures on earth. And we're all trying to save it with as, as much uh, vehemency as possible. So what are some ways that travelers can start being more eco-friendly? Are there like uh, key first steps for people uh, that they should know about? Well, I'll start with the easiest one. And I think that when done on a large scale, it is the most important and most impactful. Simply ask questions about sustainability. Uh, you don't have to do anything more than that other than when you are booking a trip, asking the hotel, asking the driver, asking the tour operator, asking the travel agency, asking whomever, what's your position on sustainable, sustainability or sustainable travel or whatever you want to call it? What is your position on sustainability? And what that does is if someone has an answer, that's great. Um, you know, pretty much any answer is better than no answer. If they don't have an answer, um, what they're going to do is they're going to start hearing this more and more. Again, I'm talking about volume. If, if everybody in the world asks this question upon booking, uh, all of a sudden it creates a market trend. And the hotel purveyors, the, um, the tour operators, all these folks, they gather at conferences, they're on phone calls with one another, and they say, gosh, three questions this week ask me what my position on sustainability is. We probably should have a position on sustainability. And then comes the next step, and it's not that hard to do so. Um, whether it's looking at carbon emissions, whether it's looking at keeping more money local, whether it's looking at food sustainability or uh, the waste stream, you know, going minimal waste on on trips and travel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's a lot of solutions out there. And like, like I said, the solutions are coming faster and, and more frequent and more powerfully. But I think, again, easiest thing you can do to start off is ask the question, what is your position on sustainability? Invent your own way to ask it. But there's, there's no real wrong answer because of the worst case scenario, even if you still have to do business with them, you know, with, with um, a company that doesn't have any sort of answer whatsoever, says, oh, I hate sustainability. Nevertheless, you're creating a market trend. But what you're going to find is that most people have some sort, well, maybe I won't say most, an increasingly 
respectable number of people do have some sort of position. And then we can start to weigh and encourage those positions to grow and get more impactful and more exciting. Asking questions, building yeah. the movement. Yeah, I love so, that. So that's the easiest one. I'm sorry, Eric. Oh, no, no, continue. Well, so that's the easiest one. Uh, now, then there's a couple other things that I want to put in your mind. One is, of course, keeping money local and trying to stay and use your, your travel dollars for good. Again, creating stakeholders, um, creating uh, economic incentives for the local community. They're, they're going to keep their, nat- their natural heritage uh, alive and well. They're going to keep that jungle more pristine when they realize that it's more valuable to keep places better and better, they're going to actually do more and more work to keep it that way. Um, Then when we kind of get to the more nitty gritty of what can you be doing physically on your trip, whether you're a business traveler, you call yourself an eco traveler or go to cities and cultural sites, there are a handful of things that make a big, big difference. And it really has to do with the waste stream. Like what are we throwing away? What are we trying to recycle? Um, We ran the world's first zero waste adventure two years ago. We learned a lot about uh, things like recyclables. We learned a lot about the power of composting. We learned a lot about just things we can generally refuse or reuse. And that's actually probably the most powerful. So uh, just a small handful of things I recommend travelers bring on each and every trip. One is a reusable water bottle. I think that's a great use. I I have my Nalgene. That's my preferred brand, but there's all sorts of other ones nowadays, whether it's uh, you know, one of the, the, the coffee cups or insulated mugs, just something where you don't have to use disposable water bottles all the time. And of course, using it, making sure it's with you. Do the same thing with a coffee mug. Little pro tip, I have often um, disliked drinking coffee out of metal mugs. Silly. I don't know why, but it's just weird kind of feeling and taste. So I bring a little ceramic mug with me and, you know, I'm careful. doesn't get broken. And I get to reuse it at all the little coffee joints. And it's like I'm sitting at home in my armchair, armchair in front of a fire with my little coffee mug. Um, a reusable laundry bag. How many times have we seen those plastic bags in hotel rooms that we have to do laundry in? They're like $2 online, you know, a little mesh bag. It takes up no room in your suitcase. Um, so yeah, just a handful of things like that. I even go one step further and I bring a little camping spork with me. It's just like a little multi-use, like little recycled plastic tool that when I'm in an airport and yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Spoon in a fork all in one. It's genius. Mm -hmm. And I just bring that with me. Um, and, you know, when I'm in an airport and I'm faced with a decision of like, okay, I'm eating some yogurt, but the only thing I can use to crack in and get some silverware is like this big packet of like salt and pepper and a huge napkin and a toothpick and a spoon and a plastic fork and a knife. Like, no, I just need this little thing. And boom, it's reducing my waste. It's reducing the amount of stuff I have to throw away or in a lot of places recycle, but in other places you can't. So yeah, just having the tools that you can reuse on you um, is, a, is a great step of the way. And just like my whole market trend thing, the more people that see you using that, yeah, you might look a little silly now, but the more people that see you using this stuff, the more they're going to say, wow, that is kind of cool. That's so smart. That's so clever. Um, and it creates this trend. It creates change. I love that. Yeah. Asking questions and then kind of building up your your essential, your uh, essential gear, so to speak. I, I love the spork thing. We we just have put one um, in our Jeep, and so we have that. We, we do road trips, so we can use that instead of all the plastic stuff that you get at like uh, takeout and, and things like that. And we, I'm not a huge fan. I, I know it's good for the environment. I just do not love the taste of a paper straw. So we got our own little like portable travel straw thing <laughs> because uh, the paper straws are are not uh, tasty to me. But you know, I don't want to use the plastic ones. But yeah, so. Bring your own. You, you can get your own straw out there, folks. It's uh, there's a lot of things that you can get on the internet uh, for eco tourism. Well, obviously that's a very broad statement. You can get a lot of crap on the internet, but uh, there's a lot of good stuff to get on the internet too um, that can make you a better traveler and, and more responsible traveler too. 
There is. Yeah. Just pl plan your little sustainable kit for travel and it doesn't take much. It ultimately saves you money in the long run. It saves businesses money even. And it's going to create this change. You're going to see, you know, we can fast forward on 10 years. We are on the positive side of change. We're on the, the constructive side of change and things are going to resemble that side a lot more than the past. I can promise you that. Absolutely. So I love the tip about the coffee mug too. I'm going to have to pass that along to my wife. I do not drink coffee. I'm um, one of the rare breeds of non-coffee drinkers over here, uh, but my wife is a coffee addict. So I'm going to have to get a uh, invest in the ceramic mug thing like you're talking about. That's a really good tip. I think a lot of people out there could uh, could do, and I think would make a huge difference, um, a small but huge difference if enough people do it. So uh, what are some uh, destinations out there among the world that you think are best for green tourism, uh, eco-friendly and sustainable travel? Well, you know, I'll kind of spin that one on a little different direction and say, you know, in theory, any destination can be okay. sustainable. Any destination can have conservation elements. You don't have to go to a, a jungle in Costa Rica. You don't have to be watching lemurs in Madagascar. You know, the, if this is going to work, if the world's going to change for the better, you should be able to do this in Rome, Italy, just like you would in, uh, you know, the middle of the forest of Cambodia. So the idea is, I think that, you know, you have to be the sustainable element. You know, the, the demand can't just come from the top down. It can't just be organizations and governments and NGOs saying, do this, less of this and more of this. It has to come from the bottom up, the people that travel, the people that create the change, the people that buy into it. So I'd say, you know, I'd put the challenge that, you know, wherever you're headed next, wherever's on your top bucket list, um, make it sustainable. Even if it's just bringing a reusable coffee mug, just one little step. Um, and I think you might say, well, shouldn't we be going and prioritizing the places that are already doing it really well? Well, okay, maybe, you know, I'd say that, you know, places like Galapagos Islands, uh, Ecuador, Costa Rica, there are many, many places that come to mind as classic eco travel. Um, but I will also say that wouldn't it be better as a sustainability ambassador, even if, you know, you don't have to know a heck of a lot, but you just have to be doing some of these tips this sort of ambassador idea that if you're going in and you're asking the questions to a place that's never thought of it and they're not doing it well at all, isn't that also super powerful? So I'd say there's no wrong answers for where you want to go and where you can impart the change and the, uh, the blow the winds of sustainability, so to speak. Um, because really, at the end of the day, every place certainly needs to come in touch with that. Uh, yeah, I think that's a great attitude and mentality to have. It goes back to what I said earlier, you know, that something is better than nothing, as we both agreed upon. So if you are in that I don't really care method, or if you've ever thought that way, if you've, you know, seen a, a little, you know, paper sheet that says something about like the conserving, the simple as conserving towels or something. And if you've thought, no big deal, like maybe, you know, change that mindset a little bit. And if we can slowly but surely do that, um, then yeah, it's going to make a major impact on a global scale. Yep, I couldn't agree more. It's just kind of, I often say it's a bit of creating a conservation culture. Sustainability is kind of like a language. You know, you don't start off right off the bat with uh, understanding every single word, every nuance and every part of it, every verb, every turn of phrase. You start with a few words and you build from there. And then once those few words are just part of your vocabulary, you don't think about them. You always bring the Nalgene bottle with you when you go on travel. And then the next trip, you always bring the camping sport. And they're just not even thoughts. It's like, oh yeah, just by muscle memory, I put that in my backpack or by muscle memory, when I'm going to the, you know, the breakfast uh, restaurant in the morning before my hike, I'm going to bring my water bottle and they're going to fill it up from the clean purified water in the restaurant. And then you can make the next step and then the next step. And again, it's going to be like a language and then hopefully we'll all be fluent in it at some point. That would be great. Yes, that would make a huge difference in the world. So, Court, this has been great. I really appreciate it. Um, I do have one final question that's 
sort of fits into the green tourism because it's green, but it's not. And you can, as you said, though, you can make anything, any trip uh, sustainable and, and eco. So um, being that you are in Colorado, being that today is April 20th, 420, I do have to ask and a bit of green tourism, marijuana tourism question uh, related to how much have you seen that grow in Colorado where you're at and, and around the world? And, and is there a way to be, how do you make that, you know, eco? Well, I haven't seen it grow per se. No, I'm just kidding. You know what I mean? Uh, no, in terms of tourism, I mean, tourism in Colorado, uh, people coming here to move, tourism for skiing and mountains and everything. I mean, it's it's booming. I mean, I, I haven't looked at the stats, but I'd say it rivals most any other tourism-centric state like a, like a Florida or, or even California. Um, I have no doubt that it probably was a big part of growth back, you know, whenever that got legalized like six years ago or so. Um, I, I'm just going to assume it sort of tapered off because so many other states now have this right. part of their, you know, their laws or legislation. Um, but yeah, oh, I, I mean, there, there's no doubt. But I have to say, you know, it was really exciting. You know, I had moved to Colorado like, I don't know, a year or two before that when it all got put into play. And, you know, I was just focused on what money is actually coming back from it that was funding schools and textbook programs and volunteer programs. So, you know, the fact that it hasn't been yanked from the laws and it's, it's growing can only mean that it's working and, and doing, a, doing a good thing for our community. So I'd say overall, it's a positive. Yeah, it has done very well in Colorado there and other U.S. states have, have gone around. And we're actually seeing internationally, too, coming along. Uh, Mexico is legalizing uh, for cannabis and um, different destinations. We just did a story today from our Caribbean expert, uh, Brian Major, uh, who's a host, co-host of our Caribbean podcast. If you like the Caribbean, uh, check that out. But um, yeah, different uh, destinations in the Caribbean are decriminalizing it and um, invent, finding ways to uh, tap into that potential tourism market there. So um, yeah, not not necessarily eco, but you know, a bit of uh, green tourism, if you will. So very green. Here. <laughs> very green indeed. Yeah, I get you. So uh, where can people find you and your website and um, your business and all that stuff. How can they follow you on social media? Is any, any parting words you want to, um, yeah. get out to the listeners? Fire Absolutely. Up. Well, so natural habitat adventures is of course very Googleable. It's also on Instagram and all the social media channels at natural habitat adventures. Um, you can always email us info at nathab.com and various websites there, nathab.com. Um, but yeah, personally, uh, my, my handle is at court underscore Waylon. So C-O-U-R-T underscore W-H-E-L-A-N. And, you know, on all the various platforms, I'd love to reach out, whether it's on the old IG Instagram, or you want to just email me at NatHab or go to my personal website, courtwayland.com. And I'd love to, to chat further and help with sustainability things. I love talking about it. I love talking about travel in general, and of course, traveling too. So it'd be fun to see you in the field, one of these points too. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Court. I appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Thanks again to Court for jumping on the podcast today and talking green tourism and all things eco-friendly travel. Some great messages in there. I really appreciate having him on and discussing some very important stuff in the world today and as we look forward to the future of travel. So if you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for to hear from you, podcast.travelpulse.com. Reach out wherever you are in the world and let me know what uh, what's your favorite place on earth and how have you become a more eco-friendly, more responsible traveler out there. Uh, thanks for listening and have a great week, folks. 